0: A new blockchain startup called Basis has just raised $133 million in funding from big-time investors for their new stablecoin. Telegram has been temporarily banned in Russia, yet the CEO, Pavel Jarov, continues to post topless on sandy beaches. And ironically enough, both Facebook and Cambridge Analytica want in on crypto and blockchain. These stories and more are the topic of discussion today as Sarah Austin and I break down all the trending cryptocurrency and blockchain news. Are you ready? Let's do this thing. The bad crypto chicks are here for episode number one seventeen of the Bad Crypto Podcast.
1: Five, four, three, two, one, two. Who's bad?
2: Sarah, are you ready to get this blockchain party started? Oh, yeah, it's a party. I've got one glass of champagne here and I'm ready to get this show on the road.
0: Yeah, and you've got your chocolate Bitcoin and the other, you're double fisting today.
2: Yes, I have some chocolate Bitcoins in the other hand, so I am double fisting. Yeah. Did you get those at Tim Draper's blockchain block party last week? I did, and I kept taking them off the tables and putting them in my purse, so I have like a hundred Bitcoins. Right, but they're, they're <laughs> chocolate Bitcoins. So chocolate
0: Bitcoins. Unfortunately, you can only eat those and not cash them out.
2: I know, but we're just here, two girls eating chocolate, Chocolate drinking
0: champagne. I know.
2: All by ourselves.
0: I know. We really are the bad
2: crypto chicks. Yeah, but I wish that Joel and Travis were here.
0: I know. That would be fun. You know, two tipsy girls. You never know what
2: will happen next. That's true. Oh, yeah, I do. The bad crypto podcast. So let's get started. Okay, let's
0: start with some news. So you know it's funny because a few weeks ago I wrote an article for Forbes about stablecoins, how they're on the rise, and now stablecoins are blowing up.
2: Yeah, stablecoins are blowing up right now. They're gaining a lot of traction because venture capitalists from Silicon Valley want in on stablecoins, which we first saw with True USD, but now we're seeing with the Basis raise.
0: Yeah, it's it's all over the news. This startup called Basis has raised $133 million from big-time venture capitalists for their new, quote-unquote, stablecoin, and they aren't disclosing any information about it to the public.
2: Except for we know that the raise came from Bain Capital Ventures leading the round and its first crypto investment for the firm, Alphabet's GV Venture Capital arm and Andreessen Horowitz. Yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy
0: because these big time investors are finding big value in stable coins. But, you know, it's even more funny, Sarah, is or what's crazier, should should I say. But uh, the team behind uh, Basis, they're three Princeton
2: grads, of course. Well, I mean, we also saw that same kind of trend with true USD. So, you know, if you have a bunch of Stanford grads, MIT grads, Princeton grads, you know. I went to Princeton. (laughs) I went to Princeton. (laughs) I'm gonna create a stable coin. (laughs) I know everything about stable coins. (laughs) I mean, from the perspective of an investor though, when you look at the total addressable market of a stable coin, you're looking at all of the money in the world. So I can see where that resonates, but as a cryptocurrency investor, I, I love the volatility. But then at the same time, you're like, well, what's, you know, what, what does the public think that the big problem with cryptocurrency is? Volatility. Right. And so
0: stable coins are like, okay, we're going to be a stable cryptocurrency, which, you know, goes, it kind of just defeats the whole purpose of crypto. But these investors are really intrigued by it.
2: Well, it's like for selling short. So if you're trading and you want to put your money somewhere where you're high, but you're betting against the currency, like it's going to fall, then you'll put it into a stable coin and you don't have to cash out to USD. Like I totally get the point of having a stable coin. But I also wonder if the VCs are just like kind of bearish on cryptocurrencies. So they are, because they're bearish, they want to invest in a stable coin because they feel more safe. Right? They're like... Okay, they went to Princeton. Here's one hundred thirty million dollars. Right, one hundred and thirty three million. Right, of course. Yeah. I think if they didn't go to Princeton,
0: it might have been a hundred million. They're like, if it was like
2: volatility. Okay, yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, so I'll have to go read your blog post on Forbes about that. And looking forward to having True USD on our show next week. So stay tuned to next Tuesday, y'all out there. And uh, we'll we'll bring that to you soon.
0: Yep. Looking forward to having True USD on the show. So another piece of interesting news that's been trending lately is Telegram. Surprise, surprise.
2: Yeah, we, we talked about Telegram last week and here they are again, except for this time with slightly different news. Well, not too much different because I claim I broke the news last week, everyone. You did. Sarah totally
0: broke the news last week about telegram. Go tell him. She basically said she was looking at Paval Durov's Instagram account. the He's the CEO of Telegram. And the guy is just chilling on some beaches without his shirt on, riding some horses. And like he was in the news last week for not having their blockchain built and for having like sketchy ICO stuff going on. Sarah's looking at his Instagram, he's chilling on a beach, and then, you know, the news breaks a few days ago, Pavel Durov is on the beach when Russia has banned Telegram, which is the new news that Russia has banned Telegram.
2: Yeah, so the new news is that Russia banned Telegram, and Pavel is on the beach, he's in a pool, he's in a Speedo, he's wearing a Speedo in his on his Instagram, it's very Model S. Super Model, I yes. mean, he looks
0: great. But Telegram unfortunately doesn't look so great right now.
2: I am not complaining about his Instagram. I follow him and I can't wait for his topless photos to come to the top of my feet. Sarah like has it on like her phone like locked. I'm like, turn on notifications. First thing in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) But but basically Russia has banned it and he's playing it off like he's doing a Putin topless shirt meme, like he took that Putin topless shirt meme and he has extended it a whole year. Yeah. He's really milking that. Right. But anyways,
0: the real news here is that Russia has banned Telegram because they think that terrorists are using the instant messaging app and they want data from Paval and Paval is saying, no, I'm not giving you the data. Which is
2: awesome. Yeah. Thank goodness one CEO out there will say, no, I'm not going to give you the data. Facebook. Right. Yeah.
0: Zuckerberg totally, you know, sold out there. But
2: I know. So, yeah. So Zuckerberg sells out. And then, you know, obviously Paval's got to take the other stance and say, no, what is he going to sell out amidst the Cambridge Analytica scandal? Which I don't think people are taking as serious as it really is. Yeah.
0: I mean, You know, it's good. I I I do respect the fact that Pavel is saying, no, Russia government, (laughs) you cannot have our users' data. And that's cool. You know, that's wonderful. Respecting the users. I use Telegram, so that's great. But the government has banned it, and now Pavel is offering up Bitcoins, apparently, for people that can help him get through this whole mess, which is...
2: What? Yeah, yeah, he's offering up... Oh, you mean a VPN that extends a private network across a public one and allows users to send and receive information without disclosing their identities?
0: Yeah. So he's saying if users can help him get access to these things, then he's going to give them some Bitcoins from his personal sash.
2: Well, hook it up. Hook it up. Yeah. Hook it up, my friend. <laughs> And speaking of all of the data leaks out there, we've got Cambridge Analytica coming out with an ICO. Can you believe that? It's, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous. So
0: I don't think they're coming out with an ICO anymore. Surprise, surprise. But apparently before this whole data leakage mess with Facebook, it's been reported that Cambridge Analytica wanted to do an ICO, get this to protect users' data.
2: Oh, so the news is that they were going to, and then somebody found the paperwork and exposed their plan. That's crazy. I mean, how maniacal can you get? How Machiavellian can you really be? How low can you go? I know. Just, it's horrible. I mean, this is this is worse than the insurance policies that were taken out on the t- World Trade Center, because at least that wasn't planned they didn't crash the plane into the building, okay? They just took out a insurance policy because maybe or maybe they knew or didn't know, right? But the policy was taken out and that looks awful. But this, they created the disaster and then knowing it before the news comes out, tries to create an ICO to solve the problem that they created. Right, yeah, I mean, it's
0: crazy. I think that it was. it's all just... Cambridge Analytica thinking about doing an ICO was a scam from the start. And I guess they aren't doing one anymore, which isn't so surprising considering the news. But I think they just wanted to get rich quick and take that money and and put it towards, you know, more evil schemes of violating users' data rather than protecting user data.
2: Well, speaking of user data, we should talk to your buddy, um, Eric Lee.
0: Yeah, Eric, Lee, and I, we're just, we're like BFFs now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, (laughs) actually, they are. Well, so yeah, so so you want to give a little intro to Eric and then we'll get him on the phone? Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: let's do that. There are a ton of concerns around user data privacy on social media, making headlines lately. It's not just happening on Facebook. Other networks like LinkedIn and Twitter um, are also a cause of concern. And users just, they really aren't aware about how their data is being used and and where it's going. So today, to speak a little bit about that, we have with us Eric Lee. Eric is a former co-founder of LinkedIn, and he is the founder of Hub which is a human trust protocol that uses blockchain technology to facilitate trust across the internet. Hi, Eric, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Rachel, I'm doing well. It's uh, nice to be with you.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us. And we've chatted a little bit in the past. I'm very impressed with what you're doing around with blockchain technology um, with Hub. So really excited to hear more about that from you today.
1: Yeah, I'd love to uh, tell you and the uh, audience a lot more about it. So definitely a very relevant topic for our times right now.
0: Yes, I'd say so. So how about you just tell us a little bit about Hub and what you're doing with blockchain technology?
1: Main point of our project is really to increase uh, the amount of trust that people have uh, online. And uh, we see a lot of applications uh, for uh, the need for trust. There's going to be a growing sharing economy that will be happening over the next uh, few years. More and more people uh, sharing and trading online. More and more people will be interacting and sharing information with each other. uh, That leads to transactions uh, online as well. So all of these things really need a great amount of you know, trust for uh, people who may have never met but are interested to uh, either interact or do business with uh, each other. And so we have this idea that uh, blockchain is actually a really great way to uh, enable trustworthy relationships uh, between people who want to engage and uh, yet have never met and need to establish trust with uh, one another. So that's basically the idea behind uh, what the Hub project is uh, doing.
0: Yeah. So is Hub a social network or how exactly does that work? Is it something that Facebook could implement in the future or is this an entirely different social network based on blockchain?
1: Um, you know, a lot of these blockchain projects implement what's called a protocol, uh, which is uh, kind of a technology layer in our case. You can think of it as a big uh, reputation database that lives on a blockchain, and uh, it has information about people's uh, reputation that uh, they they own and they control, and they can use it on many different platforms. And so, uh, we we certainly love it if Facebook decided to uh, use our our, our platform, uh, but it's definitely meant for you know many other kinds of uh, platforms where. The need for trust and reputation data is needed.
0: Right, exactly. And Facebook, I mean, one of the problems is with Facebook is that it's a centralized social media platform, just like, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter. People who use those platforms don't have full control over their data. Um, Can you kind of explain the difference between a centralized social media platform and a decentralized platform like Hub?
1: Yeah. Um, So, you know, I think people are just starting to realize, first of all, you know, how much data uh, there is out there about them and their activities um, and what's known about them. Uh, Facebook, for example, uh, you know, they they, they literally record, you know, everything that you do, all the likes that you have, all the messages that you've sent to uh, other people, you know, the posts that you've made on the feed all those things so they they track all that information and uh they use it as a way to uh you know help make money uh and profit for the for Facebook and as a result of that they 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 know a lot about you they also uh want to use that information uh to uh, direct ads basically you know at at you and so um the the profit that comes from the data it goes uh, mainly to a platform like uh, Facebook. And of course, as a user, you get some benefit as well, but, you know, for being able to use the platform for free, uh, but you don't get all the benefit. Uh, you know, the data that uh, is collected about you uh, benefits Facebook quite a lot. And so this is a pattern that we see in, you know, lots and lots of the platforms that exist today. Uh, they, they are known as these sort of central uh, centralized data platforms, these data silos that have a lot of information about their users, and they're able to monetize that uh quite effectively and uh, to uh, really take advantage of that uh, data and sometimes you know in the case of Facebook, they go a little bit overboard uh, because they're incentivized to profit from that data, and they you know either share too much information or uh, they you know uh, allow that information to be uh, you know, breached or not intentionally, probably, but uh, they allow that information to be shared with others that uh, may have uh, conflicting motivations uh, in terms of how they use that data to, um, uh, you know, either target their users with uh, ads or other kinds of information. And so, people are just starting to realize, you know, the extent to which you know this is happening and how it's affecting, you know, them and their usage of these platforms um, as well. The idea behind uh, decentralizing this data is to basically uh, put the control of that information and that information back into the hands of individual users, and allow them to decide when they want to use it, who they want to you know share that information with, and maybe most importantly, uh, you know, for them to uh, you know benefit from the, you know, value of that information as opposed to uh, a centralized platform uh, benefiting from it. So uh, let me just give you one uh, quick example of that. So, uh, for example, on a platform like LinkedIn, there's the same kind of thing going on where, you know, LinkedIn makes money from having all these profiles about uh, its users. Um, So it makes a lot of money doing that. Uh, But what if users who uh, those profiles uh, really belong to and are about uh, can make money anytime, uh, you know, their information is, is being used. So, for example, if you have a really great profile, you know, on, on LinkedIn and you've done a lot of work to, you know, keep it up and keep it updated and, and well-expressed and so forth, uh, maybe when a company, an employer is trying to find somebody, and they look at your profile, or they want to contact you. Um, you can, you know, benefit from uh, the fact that you know you have an attractive background, and you know you might be interested in an opportunity that they have to offer. And so you could be compensated for you know that information or the contact that results from that information.
0: And then in terms of compensation, are you guys using a token, a cryptocurrency, to compensate the users on the hub?
1: protocol. Yeah, that's the really other interesting aspect of uh, protocols and, and including the hub protocol, which we're working on, which is that token represents, you know, the value that, you know, in uh, crypto speak, it's the, you know, store of value uh, that represents things that are valuable uh, about the uh, protocol. And so uh, users can be compensated for when their profiles are you know used, when when it's looked at, they can be compensated in terms of their tokens being uh, you know earned uh, for those individuals. and then they can in turn t- take those tokens and they can uh, you know spend it uh, in other places and do other valuable things uh, on the uh, platform itself as well. So the token is actually a really great way to kind of store the value and, and um, you know, uh, allow people to transfer the value from, you know, one party to another and provides basically an incentive for the entire system to work.
0: Right. And in your primary focus, I mean, it's, it's reputation data, correct? So it's not just like all you know, yeah. you're focusing on reputation.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and the reason why we're focused on reputation data um, and, you know, certainly relates to trust is that uh, we believe that reputation data is one of the most valuable kinds of data that there is on the internet. I mean, we, we believe that uh, trust and reputation are, are literally currencies that enable people to convert uh, their reputation into uh, things of value. So uh, when somebody has, uh, you, you know, high reputation and therefore a high degree of trustworthiness, Uh, they get access to opportunities. You know, more people want to work with them, basically. Um, And they also are able to command a higher premium for their product and services because uh, people, you know, trust them that they will, you know, deliver on the things that they say that they're going to do. So it's a very valuable, in a way, currency, you know, to, to have. So that's why we're focused on, you know, this particular Kind of information uh, that uh, you know people have, and if, if you look at it, you know things like a LinkedIn profile is actually uh, someone's reputation. You know what they've done, uh, their skills, who they know, which is an important part of it, and that's all reputation. You know data that allows people to you know become more trustworthy in a certain community. Um, so we we see a lot of value to that, and we see a lot of value in terms of. Um, maybe, you know, changing the ownership structure of that data uh, and putting that data, you know, more back into the hands of uh, the individuals.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of that Black Mirror ep- episode, Nose Dive, where you can kind of rate Users um, on social media, and then they can see their rating, and they always want to increase it and increase it. Do you get that a lot when you're talking about how?
1: Yeah, I actually do. That's uh, gets mentioned quite a bit. Uh, the uh, nosedive uh, episode of Black Mirror, and uh, you know, it's uh, for anyone who's watched it. Uh, I, I watched it a couple months ago, and I was actually fairly depressed after watching the episode because it is, uh, you know, an example of maybe. You know systems like this, the the rating systems that uh, you know go wrong uh, when it's applied wrong, and and so my view is that you know that's not what we're doing. Hopefully, we're doing exactly the opposite, it's promoting <laughs> uh, you know valuable interactions. But you know my my view is that you know technology is always a tool. Uh, it could be used for good and for bad, and so you have to be uh, artful in terms of how you apply this technology. And uh, well, you know that uh, TV. Sirius is uh, notorious for, um, you know, looking at the dark side of uh, all of this stuff.
2: Right. It does make a fair point in that, that it could be used in that way. I mean, especially when you look at the power of the crowds versus algorithms. You know, if, the, if we put all of the power into the algorithms, how do we trust our algorithms? How do we trust these people who are writing them, the data scientists? How do we know? what to trust.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a great question. And it it still goes back to, you know, the, um, the ways that people uh, can apply this technology, you know, on our project, we really, um, you know, blend in the human element. You know, we, we don't say that, um, you know, all of the, uh, you know, scoring that might happen around reputation and so forth, you know, that doesn't always happen by using algorithms and, and computers. Uh, There's, uh, really an, a human element in there that uses human decision making uh, to decide in in many cases you know who might be right or wrong when there's a dispute and there 's a reputation of those people who make those kinds of decisions those kinds of arbitrators that help decide you know who 's who's right or wrong in a in a dispute and so that 's really introducing you know this kind of human in touch that is you know so important you know to uh, helping with creating you know quality reputation data and um, ensuring that the system as a whole you know is uh, is uh, has a high degree of uh, accuracy and integrity um, so we we actually use a combination of people and also uh, algorithms and hopefully you know if we do our jobs right that balance will be right and the network will end up you know working very being a very useful resource uh, for you know the world at large. Yeah,
0: are do you rate people using a number system? I mean, how does that work exactly? Like, would I be rated ten if I have a great reputation? I mean, would Sarah be a ten or
2: how would that work? Yeah, make me a ten. Can you can you make me a ten? How about
1: how about wow. an eleven?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, off the chart uh, with my <laughs> reputation. So
1: off, off the chart's <laughs> reputation. Yeah. So one of the things that um, is is not known that much about us and what we're we're trying to do is that we're really more than about the scores. Um, You know, when people think about reputation, they um, often think about, okay, well, does that mean that, you know, I have a score about, you know, of a certain, you know, level? And um, really what we are, what we're trying to do, first of all, is actually collect the raw data uh, on which reputation uh, can be assessed. Uh, and that means that we are, you know, collecting information that people already have about themselves, you know, can be a basis for their reputation. Uh, but it could also uh, be about new interactions that are happening on a blockchain, for example, you know, activities that they are engaged in with other people that get uh, recorded directly on a blockchain that uh, helps um form their reputation. And so that's kind of the raw data, right, about the things that uh, happen. And then um, on top of that, you can do a bunch of interesting things. Uh, First of all, you can look at the history if if the user so allows you to do that. And then one of the other things that you could do is you could also, you know, uh, assign a score to it. And then maybe this is where the algorithms come in. And there's many, many different ways uh, to uh, examine the data and to calculate Uh, Those scores, and in fact, there's not one score. There's many, many different scores because we believe that reputation is largely uh, dependent on the context or the community uh, that um, the the reputation uh, needs to be assessed in. And so that that just means that you know maybe you're really good at you know windsurfing, but uh, you're terrible at soccer. You know, and you know there's no way to have just one. Uh, one score, so we expect that you know the whole kind of scoring thing is something that evolves over time. That you know, if, if it's desired to have a score in a certain context, that the, the the scoring can you know become smarter or can pick up on new cues from the data and uh, you know, result help people you know results uh, help people evaluate. Um, the reputation of others uh, in an easier, faster way. That's what those scores uh, mainly try to do.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for coming on the show. It's been lovely to have you. And to all of our bad crypto listeners out there, I got to tell you, stay bad. Thanks,
0: Eric. That was a really great and informative interview. And I'm pumped for Hub and I'm really excited for more solutions Using blockchain technology to be developed and created to prevent this data, these data mishaps from happening. But speaking of all of that, Facebook now wants in on crypto.
2: Yeah, what is up with this? I mean, I'm reading everything. Apparently, Mark Zuckerberg is studying up on cryptocurrency, and we've all heard the rumors out there. But a story I was reading the news today speculates on his motivation and that he's looking to the East, he's looking to Asia, India, China, like how are they using social media platforms and payment platforms? Like WeChat, for example, is a very popular app in China. I am on WeChat. And you know all about WeChat. I Sarah love, knows all about WeChat. I love WeChat. I use it every single day. Um, like obsessed. Well, yeah, because otherwise I can't talk or do business with all of my My people in China, right?
0: And you don't want to use Telegram anymore because I'm not. Who knows what will happen with that information?
2: Well, I mean, primarily the Chinese government just bans everything, and so I can actually send documents over WeChat and conduct phone calls and send payments and stuff. So it's been really useful. But but Mark's looking into solutions like that and um, how these platforms are integrating their cryptocurrencies. So with that being said. what do you think what do you think the future of Facebook will be? Are they going to launch their own cryptocurrency? I mean, I
0: think that Facebook has a major problem right now, and they need to be looking into blockchain technology specifically to fix this whole data issue. Um, maybe take some tips from Eric Lee over there. Um, but in terms of a cryptocurrency for Facebook, I mean, gosh, I, I don't know, like what would they even create, Sarah? Zuckerberg's going to create the Zuck token. It's going to trade. It's going to be Z-U-C. Yeah, I can see that happening, actually. I don't know if I'd invest in it,
2: but... <laughs> 1,000 tokens gets you his used hoodie with a signature and uh, Adidas sandals. Ooh, that would be so fashionable here in Silicon Valley. Yeah, it's like the original Mark Zuckerberg fashion trend. Oh my God, starts. it's like better than
0: any piece of like designer clothing out there in Silicon Valley.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, this token can really make you a million bucks. Just dress like Mark Zuckerberg, act like Mark Zuckerberg, sell out your users, sell out their data. Who cares? You know, that whole attitude, you can buy it now with the Zuck
0: token. Right. And I guess, you know, no offense to Silicon Valley, but sometimes that, that attitude flies here, you know, the, yeah. the I don't give a shit about nothing. But here I am creating some crazy, wonderful social media platform, even
2: though I'm stealing
0: users' data.
2: Yeah, there is this attitude in Silicon Valley that I don't think really aligns with the attitude of the cryptocurrency world. Like we're taking the power away from these centralized ways of working and apparently, you know, from all of the sexual harassment claims coming out of Silicon Valley, this male attitude is just not working and crypto is the future. It will change how companies get funded. It will change the very structure of Silicon Valley. And like Tim Draper says, this is not a bubble. This is the beginning. This is the revolution. It's just starting.
0: Yeah, and that's exciting news about Tim. Yeah. And actually, Sarah, I'm really excited because Tim Draper, the one and only, is going to be joining us on a show soon.
2: Yes, that's right. We are going to be interviewing him. So stay tuned to the next episode.
0: We can ask him about his rhino coin.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll ask him about a lot of stuff. But actually, we would love to hear from you guys. What questions do you have for Tim Draper that you want us to ask him? You have to tweet us right away. Because we need these answers ASAP. So the minute you listen to this podcast, tweet me at Sarah Austin on Twitter and give me the question you want me to ask him for you. We have an interview next up with CNN, stands for Content Neutrality Network. It's a cryptocurrency protocol for content sharing that eliminates low quality content, the bad content from the network. The company is in the news for their news partnership with the number one news app in India, NewsDog, where millions of users log in daily to consume local and worldwide news. And other features like the quiz game show that's similar to that American quiz game show, I don't know if you've played it, HQ for U.S. cash rewards in U.S. dollar. CNN's protocol is integrating with the NewsDog app to address the insufficiencies in the content business in India and promote a faster and more efficient reward system in the rupee currently. But um, next up is in the cryptocurrencies. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Sanket Raskar. And um, he is with CNN. Nice to meet you.
3: Nice to meet you. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Rachel. Good to be here. Thank you for having me here
0: thanks sir thanks for joining us before we kick the interview off I just have a quick question so it's cNN which stands for content neutrality network but you know that can be a bit confusing c n cNN the network is known for they're fake news, but you're eliminating fake news, and you call yourself CNN. Can you kind of like go into that a bit?
3: That's a good analogy over there. Uh, so you know, the, the word CNN actually comes from uh, the ethos of the whole blockchain, where we want to be open fair and trustworthy at the same point, and be decentralized as well. So we want to keep everything neutral, as neutral as possible on the blockchain for all the actors involved on the blockchain. So, you know, that's how, you know, the word, uh, you know, definitely that pops in on our head is obviously the neutrality aspect. So hence the word, you know, connected with content, content neutrality and the network. Obviously, the blockchain has a network that we have. So hence the word CNN and content neutrality network. That's exactly how it uh, or what it stands for. Uh,
2: Yeah, it's just super confusing because you guys claim that you want to eliminate the low quality content like fake news, but then your name is essentially named after one of these. I mean, I know you're not named after that, but it's the same name as one of these big
3: I totally understand, and from the business perspective, I would say you know any any uh, branding or any any recall value that we can create is actually good recall value, as long as people would want to know more about CNN, the content neutrality network, uh, and and they would delve into the the benefits and advantages of blockchain uh, of CNN that's been that's been offered on. I'm sure they would have or, or change their opinions about the whole CNN uh, you know saga.
2: Yeah, well maybe if everyone who's listening to the Bad Crypto podcast would just go and tell the CEO that um, the name needs to be changed, then you guys would have a huge benefit after being on this podcast.
3: Well, we'll hope so. I mean, that's exactly, uh, you know, we're looking forward to uh, through this podcast, obviously talking to you know, your guys, obviously, is, 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 is obviously a privilege. And, and we would love to uh, you know, put forth whatever we can uh, about the CNN platform and the blockchain technology that we, that we are looking to implement for content providers across the world. Uh, that will be a good starting point for us uh, for sure.
2: Well, then you're welcome because you just got some free consulting services, marketing consulting services from Rachel and I. So you you guys should tip us in your CNN token. Jeez. Um, speaking of, you guys have uh, integrated with NewsDog and um, the cryptocurrency would be an alternative to the rupee. Um, tell me about... Eastern social content sites and how they're using cryptocurrency, for example, NewsDog and even WeChat.
3: So, so for example, I mean, as far as NewsDog is concerned, I can, I can speak for that. Obviously, that's some of the application that we're looking to uh, sort of put forth uh, in the market full-fledged by end of 2019. We've already started work on it. On multiple, uh, multiple features that, that news already supported. We're trying to make it more efficient at this point of time. So, so essentially what we're trying to do with CNN blockchain is, is we're looking to address the three C's of content business, which means the, the which, which per se, which I would like to call them as the, the, the curating aspect, uh, the circulating aspect of the content and, uh, as well uh, as as the consuming aspect of the content online, so each of the stakeholders who are responsible or included in this particular blockchain and any of these uh, actions would be equally rewarded, and uh, you know you know that's how you know there would be incentivized to do more and engage more with the content per se. So that's exactly what what uh, you know blockchain or CNN blockchain is looking to put forth with with. with you know, with whatever content providers that we're working or will work in the future, uh, currently being Newsdog at this point of time in the Indian market. I mean, the way uh, cryptocurrencies have uh, been used for cryptocurrency in Newsdog or CNN in Newsdog has been used is. Uh, Predominantly to 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 make uh, a more efficient uh, sort of peer-to-peer network, wherein actually all of these actors on the blockchain could talk to each other directly uh, on a on a more distributed and decentralized way of uh, manner of of, of communication. Uh, wherein, uh, for example, if 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 an article had been published on a certain platform uh, and a reader consumes that particular uh, particular article, um, there should be a way that a user can actually or reader can actually be you know be be able to communicate with the author directly and be able to reward that uh, author directly for the uh, for the amazing content that has been put forth on a particular platform and at the same time we were looking to you know reward the platforms as well uh, but we we make sure that you know it's more decentralized and we want to make sure that you know each of the actors can communicate with each other more efficiently and more seamlessly across the whole blockchain uh, network.
2: Right. But, you know, you, you talk about that. Can you explain, though, exactly the medium of, of exchange? Is it, is it a token? Can you tell us about it?
3: Right. Uh, so, for example, currently, some of the features that have been live on, on NewsDoc platform are uh, the, the incentive platform, wherein a user can actually share a particular article and, and invite some of the users to join uh, the Newsdog platform, and in return, you know, a, a user who's actually invited an, a, a person to the platform would, would get CNN tokens in return. So would the person who's been invited to the platform per se. So that's one of the one of the features that CNN token is effectively looking to address uh, in in a more Uh, you know, distributed or decentralized manner. Because um, if you you consider, uh, you know, these acquisitions and if you want to create a reward system based on that, there would be a lot of parties involved uh, in in the transactions, be it, you know, the wallets, payment wallets, or be it the bank transfers and et cetera. Uh, There should be a way where we can actually communicate with these audiences uh, on a a much decentralized level, which where CNN uh, tokens would play an, an efficient role. That's one of the things that we're looking to address. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I always say that you have to vote with your wallet and we vote with our wallet, whatever we spend it on. So it, with the digital wallet, you're voting for the content that you like, that you read. You vote for the authors with your wallet. You give them um, essentially tips. Just like I said, hey, I gave you some free marketing advice. Don't call your company CNN. Give me a tip with your token. You know, it's like the same thing. You like something, give somebody give somebody a buck or two. Anyway, so yeah, um, tell me about your your market size. And, um, you know, we, we talked about Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg looking to Asia and and payments and what social media sites are doing out there, um, because Asia is a huge market. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Absolutely. I mean, uh, the the content market definitely seems really booming at this point of time and continuously keeps on increasing on an exponential rate. Uh, So currently, the market size that we're looking to tap uh, globally uh, would account for almost more than 200 billion U.S. dollars. And in terms of Asian markets, obviously, the strongest economies uh, in the Asian markets would accounted for roughly between, uh, you know, one to two billion U.S. dollars as well. So, so that, that gives us a lot of opportunity for us to uh, sort of explore and uh, considering uh, some of the content providers in the Indian subcontinent specifically, uh, you know, content is, is, is actually varied in different languages. Uh, you know, different uh, tastes, different preferences. You know, there's a lot of scope for, for, for businesses like CNN or us, uh, you know, to, to actually, uh, you, know, you know, be an efficient uh, sort of a catalyst in terms of making sure that most of the content creators can, can reach out to uh, you know, as many touch points as possible. Uh, readers can actually consume a lot of content on, on, on a, at, a, at, actually very lower cost. And at the same time, you know, they, they have incentives to, 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 you know, share that particular piece of content, uh, you know, and be incentivized as well for sharing across platforms. So, uh, you know, the, the platform definitely, or the market definitely looks really, really uh, big right now. Uh, we're sure that with, with currently in, with the Indian market and the current market size we have, we already have our hands full. And you know, within this, uh, within the end of this year, by 2019, we're looking to you know be full fledged uh, on on the Newsdog platform. And once that happens, obviously, we'd want to replicate that into different markets as well for different content providers and with different uh, requirements and different challenges and and, and whatnot.
0: So, Sanket, what are your thoughts on the BAT token, the Basic Attention Token that was founded by the Mozilla founder? Um, is that kind of similar to what CNN is doing? Is it like the bat of India?
3: Right. So, so I mean, uh, essentially bat tokens uh, is something that I'm actually uh, quite quite fond of, to be honest. I mean, something that perhaps some of the media giants like Facebook should pursue in the coming, coming year or so considering the recent uh, uh, events. Uh, so bat tokens, uh, definitely, you know, coming from uh, one of the esteemed founders of Mozilla, Mozilla Firefox, um, you know, bat tokens basically awarded... To uh, user attention uh, for for ads once the user is opting in on a brave browser, right? So it seems fairly uh, uh, fair to me. I think uh, you know it's a rewarding system that sort of exchanges um, you know rewards uh, an exchange of some information that you provide to uh, the particular browser. But having said that, uh, I think there I see there are some uh, technical areas where they they might uh, sort of have a disadvantage in a sense like, um, you know, it still requires a user to have or or do a certain kind of things to opt in, for example, going to their extensions tab, uh, or or if if you're not using a Brave browser, perhaps add an extension and do some technical uh, changes uh, in a sense, which perhaps would not go down too well with a less technically inclined user per se. Um, you know, for example, you know, how many times have you actually gone into your extensions tab to add in extensions or see what all extensions your browser is using? It's natural. It doesn't happen too often. You know, in fact, the study says 40 percent of the users have never have actually looked at the uh, or clicked at the extensions tab after installing their browsers. Overall, though, it seems like a fair, fair deal to me in, in, uh, you know, in, in return of some uh, sort of information. Uh, of, a, of a user, you get rewarded while engaging uh, your user attention or, uh, with the ad network. So that so, so that seems fairly uh, fairly uh, you know decent and uh, you know equilibrium f- for me at, at, at this point of time. But you know, having said that, you know CNN uh, perhaps. Uh, would not be exactly the bad token, uh, I, w- I would imagine.
2: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's more like HQ of India than anything, um, the, the app that I had mentioned earlier in your intro. So, um, yeah, the last thing I have to ask you, the last question is, because everyone, all of our audience is going to be wondering, because this news has been circulating recently, is the central banks in India um, what is the news in India? What's the state of crypto in India? Uh, is it Bitcoin payments are illegal or is it just trading cryptocurrency? What's the deal?
3: It is confusing, isn't it? Obviously the, the, the statement that had come out from uh, one of the financial bodies in India, it's not quite uh, in a direct in a sense. Some of the excerpts that I'm quoting here uh, from the statement would say, viewing obviously the risks of uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies are uh, some of the RBI regulated, the Reserve Bank of India regulated bodies have actually stopped assisting or giving financial services to uh, entities that are dealing with cryptocurrency businesses. I mean, that's that itself sounds very confusing to me in a sense, because they're not, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, banning the cryptocurrency totally. They're not saying that obviously cryptocurrency is illegal. What they're trying to do instead is trying to um, you know, make trading highly impossible. You know, this this gives me a, a very confused viewpoint in a sense. Obviously, it, it feels like they're speaking in two voices, uh, whereas they have a panel which which sort of uh, works. Uh, on on devising a regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies, and at the same time, a decision like this coming through, uh, it just does not go down too well. I mean, having said that, you know, it has created a lot of panic uh, among, among the investors uh, in the Indian market who basically hail from middle-class sections of the society. Uh, you know, they might have to exit at losses. You know, some of the investors have done that. Uh, as 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 i 've been touch with some of them i've been in touch with some of them, I've been, I've been some of them. Uh, and 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 that's not a very good thing because uh, you know that, that sort of leads uh illegal or unfair or underworld sort of trading markets which is which we see already has been happening in some of the other countries in the world which is not a very good thing to 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 do perhaps a, a better measure to do around this would be to find some regulatory frameworks, or perhaps even you know, have certain uh, you know mitigation uh, risks as well uh, being, being uh, listed as a policy and, and so on and so forth. So I think that should be the way it should, should look like. In fact, in the past year itself, I mean, considering uh, the Indian market right now, I mean, more than 5 million Indian users have actually estimated to be invested uh, more than 1 billion U.S. dollars in the cryptocurrency at this point of time. Government per se have actually collected tax between seven to uh, fifteen million US dollars in the past year alone. So they're basically, you know, killing a, a, a golden goose in a sense. So, so right. instead of right. um, instead of uh, you know banning or perhaps you know restraining uh, the trades, I think there should be a more informed or educated decision that needs to put put forth uh, wherein you know you want to uh you know have some regulatory frameworks around this and and you know that's actually also going quite against the digital india uh, motto that has been promoted over the last three years or so that's that's completely uh you know something that that I have not uh, able to understand what I feel is you know this is perhaps a, a you know a cooling time period that has been bought by the Indian government perhaps you know they're they're coming up with certain regulatory frameworks or something. That perhaps, uh, you know, you know, would change uh, the cryptocurrency uh, sort of industry in the market at this moment.
2: All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, my perspective is just like yours. You know, don't fight it. Embrace it. This is going to happen no matter what governments, regulators, they can do as much as they can. But it's like you said, it's like killing the golden goose. So, you know, embrace it. It's going to happen anyway. That pretty much wraps it up with Sunket Raskar of CNN. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
3: Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much, Sarah. Nice to be here.
2: Well, that pretty much wraps it up for the Bad Crypto Podcast 117. I'm Sarah Austin. And I'm Rachel Wolfson. Stay bad. And remember, tweet at us. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. You won't be let down. You won't be let down. And we will respond to those tweets. Yeah, we want to hear about any questions you have for Tim Draper. Coming up next on Bad Crypto. We're the crypto chicks. I hope you guys stay bad.